0: hello i'm rachel and i'm lily welcome to uncanny valley girls where every week we are going to do a deep dive into a different aspect of reality tv
1: excited that we're starting this we've been trying to start this for a little while but
0: yes it's a new day yeah
1: <laughs> everything's a work in progress
0: we've been trying <laughs> um but yeah today we have like a very exciting topic I do believe we are starting off with a bang so thanks Lily for coming up with this topic it's really
1: a shade to thank Um, Shay's been trying to get me to watch Gordon Ramsay television shows forever, and I've always been like, no, I don't know, I like cooking shows, I like, I like Great British Bake Off, and then they kind of had, they kind of put their foot in their mouth this past season, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but then once I watched the first one, I have been, like, addicted, I've been watched, I've mostly been watching recent Gordon Ramsay shows which hence why I will be taking the second half of his <laughs> career on today but I also have been watching MasterChef and I'm like addicted to it
0: I think it's kind of funny I feel like Gordon Ramsay is like its own subgenre of cooking show
1: I feel like when it's true like once you watch one it's really I don't know even I'm like I could watch a different cooking show and probably enjoy it but why would I when there are 10 different Gordon Ramsay. There's
0: probably more. I think there's more than that. But um Oh my god, a plethora.
1: <laughs> there's a plethora, <laughs> there's yeah. There's So we'll get many. Into
0: that. <laughs> um yeah, I kind of am the opposite. I mean, I love re- reality TV in general, but I feel like cooking shows were never necessarily my jam. Like sometimes I would watch those one-off like holiday themed like Halloween sugar baking shows you know what I mean Delaney would...
1: already asked that we do an episode on spring baking championships so I do know <laughs> what you mean
0: <read. laughs> but of course I've like heard of Gordon Ramsay and like I know of him as a character um but I kind of tackled his early life and his beginnings so I thought it'd be fun um Topio sometimes does a little astrology moment so I did look up his big 3. <laughs> oh my god. And I no. we should just um, discuss it because I wasn't necessarily going to talk about it, but then I looked up his big 3 on some I don't even remember what website it was. Probably so inaccurate. Can I guess? Can I guess? The website? No. Oh, <laughs> <It's big> 3. <laughs> I'm like but I don't what? think you're going to get true <laughs> Why would I care what website <laughs> I don't know. Maybe no, you're I'm like kidding, guys. I really pray. care
1: about the integrity of our sources.
0: Um, <laughs> um, um, yes, please guess though.
1: Okay, just to say that my my qualifications to guess are about none. I, two of my some of my roommates in college really liked astrology, so I know a little bit from them. I feel like my guesses are going to show how little I know about astrology. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's okay. <Me> <laughs> okay. Okay. I think he's. He's got to have fire in there. I'm going to say he's an Aquarius sun, an Aries rising, and a Scorpio moon. No, that was just vibes.
0: Great vibes. <laughs> I went off of Okay, you're actually totally wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> shocking.
0: He's a Scorpio sun, mm-hmm. um, a Virgo moon, and a Gemini rising. Um, oh, wow. I'm
1: yeah. a... Oh, no, I'm not a Virgo moon.
0: honestly yeah like the extent that I know astrology is like people that I know that are signs I like just think of the signs as that person and I'm like yeah I know all the qualities of that sign because I know one person who is it (laughs) okay anyway so let me just read um this analysis no one can say that you don't know your own mind because you have very strong opinions and beliefs true Although reserved and seemingly detached, this i this I take issue with. This I don't. I don't think aligns. Um, but anyway, you actually long to express your views and opinions. So I definitely think he longs to express it, and I don't think he faces those barriers that prevent him from doing so. He longs to, and then expresses it. Yeah. So maybe that's something else in his chart. Who knows? Um, okay. If things aren't what they're cracked up to be, you run the danger of becoming hypercritical, content to be a fault finder but doing little or nothing to help.
1: Or I don't you made That's t-
0: always true. He <laughs>
1: helps.
0: Okay, but he is a fault finder. He is i fa- I'm
1: not arguing the fault finder.
0: <laughs> All right, true. That's well, his it's job. kind of it's kind of interesting. Yeah, you're like viewing this through his like uh, paternal years and like his nice Oh days. that's true
1: that's true i uh, have the yeah. naivete of only knowing him past 2011
0: <laughs> it also says work is your fulfillment and you probably feel a strong sense of duty and responsibility that's true that's workaholic true. gemini rising individuals tend to move into positions of prominence um not by force um but they adore having an audience Many of you will become actors and writers and are successful in the entertainment industry, TV journalism and the literary world. So
1: Wow, but is this something
0: somebody Fated. wrote
1: about Gordon Ramsay specifically or is this just No, this was about just the his, chart, just his chart, yeah. Oh wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Guys, astrology is real. You heard it here
0: first. But okay, so moving into Gordon's young life, he was born in Scotland and if you guys are curious, that's November 8th, 1966. Quickly moved to a much more prominent town in England, Stratford upon Avon. Ring a bell. Isn't that Shakespeare related? I think so. I didn't confirm that, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> According to Gordon, his mother was a nurse, his father was an alcoholic, um, and when he was <laughs> So, um, before he was a chef, he wanted to play football, but he ended up getting knee injuries, so his dream was crushed. And then, instead, he entered the Premier League of Cooking. That's a direct quote from his mentor. Oh, I was
1: like, wow, what a... You really know your terminology.
0: <laughs> um, but actually, at 19, he enrolled in a college to study hotel management, and then he worked as a commie chef at the Roxton House. Yeah, he works at a few more restaurants in London. And then he um, starts working for Marco Pierre White, who becomes his mentor. And he's the guy that is just like, his demeanor is really chill. He's kind of like the opposite of Gordon. And it's like very clear that they balance each other out very well. And like the whole time that he's talking, he honestly seems like he... Is like sedated or something he his his tone is just like totally chill and he just looks like he has not a care in the world so
1: it's that's so interesting. interesting
0: gordon primarily worked at french restaurants while he was in london and during this time he actually met several people who would later work at his restaurant which was called restaurant gordon ramsay which was very creative gordon Um, that's a that's a
1: theme that runs through his restaurant names they're very very creative
0: (laughs) yeah it gives me like Lin-Manuel Miranda vibes it's like you really can't like live without your face or name being attached to whatever you're doing after he works with Marco in in England for a while, he moves to Paris and cooks at a few restaurants there. Then he like takes off on a private yacht for a year and cooks on a yacht, which is basically like what they do on below deck. So, I would have loved to see Gordon on below deck. But yeah, so like I said, after he goes on his like yachting adventure, he comes back to London and that's when he teams up with Marco and that's when they um. Uh, work on aubergine together and they earned two Michelin stars and then eventually a dispute with the owners ends with uh, Gordon leaving and taking a lot of the staff and the customers with him. After the documentary Boiling Point, it's revealed that the owners are suing him for a million pounds based on these claims that he took the staff members and the customers from their original um, restaurant. Um mm-hmm yeah so that they don't talk about that until like the last episode but another thing that I thought was funny and worth mentioning was during the show I was taking note because obviously Gordon is like known for all of his amazing insults and I was taking note of like a lot of the different ones that he used and at one point he calls one of the guys commie and I was like that's really weird like does he mean like communist like is was there like a red scare going on like in the kitchen like what's happening and then like I looked it up and <laughs> it's just like a kitchen term like commie chef is just like a low level chef like in oh. the kitchen. <laughs> so when I looked when I found that I thought it was so funny because like on my list I literally had like commie on there. because I thought he was just calling the red scare communist. in Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. <laughs> yeah, literally <laughs> Right before we get into Boiling Point, um, I wanted to briefly mention, like, the Michelin star rating system, just because I didn't really know anything about it prior to this. Um, and the most surprising thing that I found is that it actually is, like, the Michelin tire. Michelin. Wait, what? Michelin. Yeah. No way! (laughs) Yeah, so basically um the first michelin guide was compiled in 1900 and it was made by the michelin tile tire founders um and it was like basically trying to get people to buy cars and so they like tried to show people like oh you know you can go to these restaurants you can go to these different things in the city and um yeah, so it said, the first Michelin guide printed 35,000 copies and included maps, along with instructions on how to repair and change tires. Also included a list of restaurants, hotels, mechanics, gas stations, along with popular routes in France. Um, and then the first Michelin star ratings were given in 1926, and um, then they eventually expanded it to the three-star rating system, which one star is a very good restaurant, two is excellent. Worth the detour, and three was exceptional cuisine worth a special journey. So that's... I have a question. <laughs> yes.
1: When they are getting reviewed or under consideration, is it that every time that if they get a good review, they add a Michelin star, or is it that when someone reviews it, they can give you one, two, or three?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I believe they don't necessarily add a. St- a star. It's like a it's a different yeah, it's a different okay. rating. But um even once you earn three stars, you don't just have three stars forever. You have to defend your three stars. So the person who comes in to evaluate the restaurant, um, you know, hypothetically periodically comes in and like reevaluates it to make sure that it doesn't lose its stars and a lot of Gordon Ramsay's restaurants have like you know lost stars but I think that's pretty common in the restaurant industry I don't think it's like unheard of and he has like so many restaurants that he has sure. a lot of stars spread out over it so um but yeah no I wanted to get more into Boiling Point because this is like the full series that I watched and I feel like this is honestly one of the most interesting, like, uh, shows related to Gordon Ramsay, at least that I've seen, and like I said, I'm not, like, Shay or Jason, so I haven't seen a ton of them, but it essentially follows, uh, Gordon Ramsay, like, as he's opening his, uh, restaurant, restaurant Gordon Ramsay, um, and so it's, like, these eight really intense months, um, as he opens it, and, um, then the he's trying to become the youngest um, chef to receive three Michelin stars. Yeah, so basically the series starts with him being featured on this show in England called Britain's Most Unbearable Bosses, which is like this expose show where somebody undercover goes into these like heinous work environments and films them like being abused. And so that's like pretty much exactly what happened. This guy goes in like pretending to be a student and Gordon Ramsay is just like berating him and absolutely screaming at him. And so in the documentary or the docuseries, they just show him and like his friends like on the couch watching it. And he's kind of like covering his eyes like he's embarrassed, but he kind of seemed honestly more annoyed that they even like made the series
1: there's like this general sense, maybe it's like the pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, um, but that like some level of corporate or work-related hazing is like a rite of passage or makes you more valid in your success. Um, And I think like in conversations I've had with people like our age that have just sort of moved into
0: the working world,
1: there's less of a,
0: belief in that maybe I feel like that like line of thinking is really popular in our parents generation mm. and I think like the economy oops I think the economy let them ride this little wave of oh my god American dream like you got to the upper middle class like I feel like a lot of people got there and so they have like this false sense of reality that that's still possible and it's I don't know it's just not I don't know if that's totally related but I think people are defensive
1: on this subject because people, I mean, it's the same thing with any conversation about privilege. People feel like it discredits their work that they put in or any sort of, um, yeah, just like the work that they put in to get mm-hmm. themselves to where they are. And I, I understand that defensiveness. Um, and I do think like many, many people put in a lot of work to get to where they are. But at the same time, there needs to be, like, a greater conversation about, like, the cultural significance placed on um, suffering in the workplace or in, I think it's true of, like, things outside of work, like school as well at times. Or thinking about, like, athletes and the narratives that surround them, which obviously there is a little bit more physicality involved in that, but, like, but I don't know, I don't know.
0: I think it's like kind of a double-edged sword in how people may be sensitive to this topic because they may feel like someone's attacking them in how much they deserve something based on how much they worked for it. But at the same time, I think if they have these assumptions about the way the world works and that hard work always equals success, then... They make look at people in our generation who aren't succeeding and just assume that we're not working hard and that's just like simply not true in today's day and age. People a lot of people work 40 plus hours a week and can't support themselves and that's just like reality too.
1: I mean, I think that's a lot of times where people fall into traps in the conversations surrounding privilege because they want they want credit for the work that they put in, which is an understandable instinct or an understandable desire but to assume that there aren't other forces at play and that like like I guess it's like a general belief in a meritocracy that doesn't in practice exist at least in this country because of social and cultural factors that oppress people systematically in group in minority groups and make it more difficult for people. I mean like even thinking of it like from a disability perspective like prior to covid people with disability like were not always provided the opportunity to work remotely. It wasn't viewed as like a valid option and like I think one of the good things that came out of covid is now there is more accessibility across working environments. Um, and there's more general awareness that there needs to be an accessible workplace but I think to not like to think that everything is just like the amount of work you put in is like ignoring so much of the conversation
0: yeah agreed sorry about that tangent yeah that was a tangent <laughs> obviously this docuseries features a lot of Gordon Ramsay's mistreatment of his employees like I mentioned Um, And specifically on the day of the opening, um, there's some issue with the fan in the kitchen and something snaps. So there's no fan and it's getting like really hot in the kitchen. And at one point they say it reaches, with all the ovens and the burners on, it reaches like 130 degrees. Um, You know, mind you, they're all sweating to death in the 130 degree kitchen. There's a waiter who comes out and is kind of in view of one of the tables and starts chugging from a water bottle. And Gordon... Fires him oh because God. he was drinking water in front of the customer. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like
1: a Michelin star restaurant. Maybe I get it. Not actually. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend that. <laughs> like obviously, they
0: should have gotten fired. As Jason and I were watching this, we were so confused. We were like, "Was he drinking wine? Like, is that why he got fired?" And then they were like, "No, it's water." And I was like, "Gordon." <laughs> It's 130 yeah. degrees, come on, they're gonna okay, pass yeah, out. yeah, I take back what
1: I said, I take back <laughs> what I said, you're right, you're right,
0: okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I understand, like, it's a Michelin star restaurant, but come on, do they want, like, dead bodies? <laughs> we can talk about this um, more
1: later, but I think he, like, has maybe he still has not but I definitely you can t- you watched more of his like early stuff so you can tell me if you don't agree but at least in his later stuff I get the sense like he wants to be portrayed in this like sort of like bad boy persona like this like <laughs> sexy tough persona and I feel like him like I'm doing sorry but trying...
0: Gordon Ramsay is not sexy
1: that's I'm not gonna lie to you based on um conversations i've had not a popular opinion i'm i i agree with you but i have are you talking about shay like (laughs) (laughs) um okay i just did a really official source check i googled do people think gordon Ramsay is sexy and um i will say i feel validated in this like Okay, this is where my opinion was coming from. A lot of times in his shows, and, like, obviously this is something, like, the producers or him, I, I don't know, I assume he's a producer on most of his shows at this point, um, would, like, there would frequently be female contestants that would, like, make, like, references to them, like, thinking he's, like, hot or be like, oh my god, it's, like, so hard <laughs> to concentrate when Gordon is, like, chopping onions.
0: But like you know how sometimes they'll have like this like you know older lady who's like oh he's so oh funny. yeah I don't know but by the way you're describing I don't it, think I'm you should it's, it's not like that I
1: don't think you should group um stereotypically attractive and older people always <laughs> in separate
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, um I don't know whatever <laughs> whatever way you want to say that. Um, No, I think,
1: like, I understand, no, there is, like, some element of it being, like, like, the older woman fawning over this, like, younger man type of thing that it's, like, not an actual, it's interesting, and there's never, like, anything on his shows that implies he's, like, ever inappropriate with contestants, like, like, on the current season, they do it with a girl that's, like, in her 20s and, like, conventionally attractive, but, like, in a previous season, it was, like, an older woman who mm-hmm. was, like, kind of fawning over him in a less...
0: Wait, he as was... a side... Can I say a side note really quick? Sorry. Yeah. Have you seen the new cast of Real Housewives in New York?
1: I have not, but I did see that there was a queer woman on it, so I'm tempted to watch it.
0: Yes, and, okay, I don't know much about her, admittedly, but apparently she's, like, somewhat... Famous. and people really like her they say that she's like really cool and fashionable and like that's what the yeah.
1: headlines I were seeing too was that it was like a positive perception
0: yeah I'm kind of excited
1: I know and now I want to watch it I stopped watching I don't know I guess I have no context I think at the time when I stopped watching it was the current season but I think I stopped watching Bethany's last season
0: yeah and didn't watch up till then for New York um, I saw some people saying that apparently one of the new housewives is supposed to be sober. And people were like, that's kind of interesting because the housewives in general really glorify alcoholism. But, like, specifically New York, I feel like it got really kind of depressing to watch. I feel like that will definitely be an episode topic because, <laughs>
1: yeah, I think with, like, Sonia and... Um, oh,
0: who is it?
1: Who has the Berkshire house? Dorinda? Dorinda, yes. With Dorinda <laughs> and Sonia and a little bit Ramona.
0: And that's like the point where it's like I don't even know how ethical this is to film like, Andy, you should just step in because this is really damaging to her.
1: No, and this is a conversation I've had with other friends specifically about Sonia. It felt somewhat like ethically wrong, mm. some of the scenes in later seasons when like she was seriously inebriated and like I don't know it just like felt like it crossed a line and I do have to assume that she consented to it being in the production um, there's um, one where she's on a trip and she gets like just like so so drunk and I'm pretty sure there's like some medical issue I don't know it's been a while since I've watched it so I don't think I, I even think saw that it's like later on but it just really felt like to some point like you were it was just like crossing a line like watching Mm -hmm. it almost like you shouldn't be witnessing this but I mean like I said like you do have to assume that she I mean I don't know is that a wrong assumption to make like I feel like if she's
0: I don't know I don't know how that works actually Yeah, I don't know. Like, if they're required to sign off on everything. I mean, in Real House of Beverly Hills, there was that moment where, like, Denise Richards thought she could, like, call off the dogs by saying, bravo, bravo, bravo. I don't know if you watched that season. And they were like, what are you doing? That's not a real thing.
1: But, so I did a Google search, and... In 2021, there was a Yahoo headline, Fan Study Crowns Gordon Ramsay Sexiest Male TV Host. Okay, but I like this. Um, I like this Reddit post. This is obviously not anything mass. This is one single person's opinion. But I just want to read it. Um, the It's on our unpopular on opinion. Um, it's on the unpopular opinions subreddit, but Gordon, it's Gordon Ramsay is a sexy bastard. I had to tell it to someone. The asshole might look like a dumb potato, but he melts me. Whenever I watch Kitchen Nightmare or something, I'm floored. I love how high he sets his standards and how committed he is to perfection. I love his accent and his choice of words. These here make him a super sexy strong man. I can't get enough of him. I dream of eating his food. In parentheses, we don't have his restaurants in my country there's more but I'm not gonna read
0: any so yeah this is A. a. Gill the Sunday Times food critic um, so yeah he had he had spoken badly of Gordon before saying that he acted like an 11 year old and so Gordon thought he would write like a biased review um, but him throwing him out of the restaurant actually caused him to write a worse review probably and in I would say so <laughs> In his review, he called him Barely House trained. So yeah. Wow. Um, do you know who Joan Collins is? Um, I've heard the name. She's an actress. I had not heard of her. She's like an older actress. Um, but she was apparently with A.A. A. Gill when this happened, and she was also kicked out. And she was an actress most famous wow. from the Land of the Pharaohs in 1955. So then, in the next episode, um, the Mater D basically spots the Michelin Guide um, reviewer come to the restaurant. Like, he didn't introduce himself or use his, like, real name, but the guy just recognized him. So, Gordon kind of, like, starts freaking out. And, and basically, yeah, they do the service, and... Kind of in those days, following there's like a rivalry between him and Marco because, like I said, Marco had the title of like the youngest guy to reach three stars, and if Gordon got the three stars on this uh, time, then he would beat him. Um, but in the end, he didn't get rewarded <laughs> three stars. So this um, docu series ended in January 1999, and he didn't get the three stars until 2001 so a few years later he's like past the age marker that he would be the youngest one so instead he's just the first Scottish chef to get three stars that's his like first which I mean that's still (laughs) that's still impressive but yeah so Boiling Point was like his first mass exposure to television audiences that I did want to talk about was in the show one thing that Gordon says is that He specifically doesn't see himself as a celebrity chef. And he kind of uses that term as, like, he speaks about it negatively. And clearly that's, like, super ironic now because he is, like, the celebrity chef. And I saw this figure that said, according to Forbes in 2020, he was not only the highest paid chef in the world, but he was the 19th highest paid celebrity. And I think that's, like, when you think about it, though, like, the empire that he's built and, like, the streams of wealth that he has are honestly crazy. And I don't know how he does it, like, all at the same time. So many of his shows are concurrent.
1: I think it all goes back to his big three. I mean, he's a (laughs) workaholic.
0: Exactly. Um but then as I mentioned earlier I wanted to go through some of the like direct insults that he said on the show just because they're really funny. Um the first one was again commie which I realize is not <laughs> is not a communist insult. Um it's referring... insult, so I don't even know if it is really an insult. I they have like the way they described it also one of the employees described it is like almost their kitchen is run like the army or like the military. So I feel like they just have like a very strict hierarchy. It's almost like the the younger chefs don't even have that much resentment for being like screamed at all the time. But the rest of them are definitely insulting. So um, starting off with fatso, which is never a good one. Um, Asshole or more specifically arsehole. In the British, English. <laughs> um, plonker. <laughs> oh, what's that mean? Um, you never really, I mean, I didn't actually look it up, but it was just clearly <laughs> derogative. <laughs> Fair. Um, donkey. <laughs> Dirty Bastard. Hmm. Um, a classic. Fucking Wuss. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> dickhead which is kind of classic um jelly bean which he called he said specifically to a bald man in which he <laughs> per- proceeded to slap his bare head right after calling him a jelly bean. Oh, that's horrible <laughs> and then one of the popular ones that he like called everyone which i thought was so funny was he called everyone a dreamer <laughs> like in a negative context <laughs>
1: One, isn't he a dreamer?
0: I don't know, apparently not, but he'd be like, What are you doing, you dreamer?
1: <laughs> oh, is it like a daydreamer? Like someone that's just like. I guess, oh. but she's <laughs> really funny.
0: <laughs> I feel Maybe. like that's like
1: inspirational. Maybe he's trying to, like, uh, it's a new, like, leadership tactic.
0: I took it more as, like, don't even bother. You'll be nothing. <laughs> That's how I took
1: it. <laughs> Wait, but people are bothered by
0: this? Um, I mean, <laughs> the direct insults, like, I don't think they appreciate. But, like, the overall, like, screaming, it's like they just kind of understand that it's, like, like we were saying earlier, like a rite of passage. Like, I think they just kind of accepted their fate in the machine and they know one day they'll get to bully someone I guess
1: well I didn't I didn't have a specific place that I wanted to talk about this so maybe now is like a good time to talk about this mm-hmm. but I feel like prior to watching it, and I am coming off as a courtroom to apologize but um, <laughs> prior like the reason I wanted to do this episode is because I actually like don't I prior to watching and largely because I've only watched his later shows, Um, prior to watching, like, had quite a negative view of him because of his leadership style. I feel like, I mean, I obviously have had, like, personal experiences. Okay, well, wait. First, let me say, so I was coming from it of a lens of, like, I don't understand why he was allowed to, like, perpetuate this sort of, like... I don't know what it, what to call it, but I just didn't understand like why this persona. And I I guess I thought it was maybe a product of the time. Like obviously, mm-hmm. I, I think boiling points in the '90s. You said, and yeah, '99. Like, some of his kitchen nightmares, I believe, starts in the early 2000s. Is that right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think 2004.
1: And so I thought like perhaps it's just like a product of its time, but. I guess I was just interested in the fact that he's kind of maintained popularity when, in my view, like, he was so largely, like, negative in a bad way towards people. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I was kind of interested if, like, his leadership style was, like, kind of viewed in, like, a valid sense, like, academically. So I don't know if you read anything about his leadership style, but... Basically, I like looked up and I read this article from like the Journal of Leadership Studies, and it's a scholar like, and he classifies Jordan Gordon's like leadership style as like destructive leadership. But so, like Paul um, Paul Baldwin, I hope I'm saying that right, is the scholar. But he said that like destructive leadership is frequently discussed um, in other forms, such as like abusive supervision, petty tyranny, tyrannical leadership. Um, And so he, like, defines leadership, destructive leadership, as either, like, leading followers towards a goal that doesn't align with their interests and or using hostile behaviors while leading. And he does say that, like, overall, both, like, I think academically, but maybe more broadly, um, destructive leadership is viewed, like, quite negatively. And, like, I definitely think Gordon's leadership style, like, that makes sense. Like, that does... Mm-hmm. describe like I think the hostile behaviors part I mean I don't think he's like ever really trying to lead someone towards a goal that isn't in line with their interests but um it was interesting and I guess this transitions into kitchen nightmare but he, the scholar like provides examples from kitchen nightmares and so I just like wanted to read this quote that I thought was interesting from the article. Um. And it says, in the process of transforming America's worst kitchens, Ramsey utilizes destructive leadership behaviors, particularly at the early stages of change. Specifically, Ramsey appears to concisely direct emotional outbursts towards owners and or employees when creating a sense of urgency, unfreezing current mindsets, creating a guiding coalition, and then shifting toward a new vision. He continues to use hostile methods when coaching others to enable action and generating short-term wins under pressure, but his emotional outbursts are typically more subdued during these latter stages. And so the article kind of concludes that, like, there are, there might be, like, certain situations, like, obviously in this article they're specifically suggesting that the situation in which someone's restaurant is failing because of their, like, in part because of their behavior I don't know if that's always the case on Kitchen Nightmares I've never watched Kitchen Nightmares but um I know that was the, like more of the case for Restaurant Impossible which was like <laughs> I feel like their sister shows um <laughs> um but I thought it was just interesting because to me like that and I'm interested to hear your opinion because you like know more about Kitchen Nightmares that just made his like leadership style seem a lot more like strategic and like Thought out that I really had thought of it as before, like I kind of just thought of it as like him yelling at people, and like I do think in later shows he does, he is a good mentor, um, particularly like early Master Chef. I feel at times that he is, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I just I just wanted your like
0: opinion. I guess like because well I had seen Kitchen Nightmares before watching this docu series, and then I had watched episodes also afterwards so I think like prior to seeing the docuseries maybe that was more of my impression that I always thought oh my god he's like so mean to the owners and like also a common thing about Gordon Ramsay like supporters (laughs) a common theme amongst them is that they love the way he treats like the waiters and the waitresses he's they're always like oh my god did you see how because he'll always be like a total dick to the owners who are usually the problem and then like he knows that usually the waiters and waitresses are being mistreated so he's always really nice to them unless they're like doing something like crazy so i do feel like it's kind of framed like that like he's being like super mean but it's like because he's up against these like people who are like have the most terrible restaurants ever it's like you still see him as the protagonist but I think like after seeing him run his own restaurant which is like supposedly like a two Michelin star restaurant like you'd think that there wouldn't be the same like fear of failure like maybe there's still a ton of pressure but I don't know it doesn't seem like the same situation is there, so you, I don't see it being as, like, intentional as it's, like, framed in Kitchen Nightmares.
1: Hmm. That makes sense. I do feel like... I mean, I I have had, like, experiences with, I guess, what is defined as, like, destructive, like, multiple experiences. And I think that's why I was, like, I guess, prior to watching any of his shows, more biased to dislike him, because... Mm-hmm. They were, like, such negative experiences for me and such negatively impacted my mental health that I just, like, don't really value that leadership style. Um, I do think, like, I saw the point about Kitchen Nightmares. Like, it is a situation. And I do think it's, like, so funny because I feel like Restaurant Impossible is, like, the exact same way where the guy is always nice to the waiters. But um, the... (laughs) What's his name? I should know his name. Um, But the... Like, he's always, like, really more tough with the owners. um. But I do think you're right that, like, it's more telling that he... How he ran his own restaurant. And I also think that that show is something he's been, in a sense, like, running from for a lot of his career. Because it was such, like, an honest... I guess it's seemingly honest depiction of Mm
0: -hmm.
1: his behavior.
0: Yeah, I'm curious what you think or, like, what your impression is of, I don't know, like, how much you were exposed to it through, like, your research on this, but I feel like the British media is, like, really interesting and different than the United States, and I recognize this first. I don't know if you've ever watched the um, Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix. I feel like I've brought this up to you before, but... There's this British reporter on there, and um, it just, like, struck me, because their, like, tabloid culture, I just feel like, is so intense, and, like, in a way, I don't know, I feel like it was prolonged, like, further than the United States, like, the U.S. is. I feel like ours kind of ended, and, I don't know, they're just, like, so salacious, and the way that they, like, (laughs) describe things is just intense. I don't know if you came across any of that. I I didn't in terms of, like, Gordon
1: Ramsay, but I do think, this is totally just my opinion, but I think, like, in a sense, I have read more about the ta- British tabloid culture in, um, or tabloid media, in, in relation to Meghan Markle. And I do think that, for us, the largest, like the most frequently who subjects to tabloids here are, um, like, celebrities either from, like, movies or TV or, like, think, like, the Kardashians or music or something. And I think in England, a lot of... There is a lot of, like, media around the royal family. And I think here, celebrities can criticize the tabloids in the media. But I do think, like, the royal family... I mean, at least just this is so, like, just the impression I've gotten. It seems like they just don't give public opinion very frequently. And so, like, perhaps, like, there's just, like, a lack of pushback against the tabloid media that I think, like, a lot of celebrities have been very frank about their disdain for paparazzi Mm -hmm. and um, tabloids in general in the US. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, like, a luxury they have because they're not viewed as, like, some representative of mm-hmm. something greater.
0: Um, one more thing I wanted to mention before you get into your portion is, and maybe you know this already, but I honestly had no idea that the idiot sandwich thing was not real. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't. Or it was just, like, part of a sketch like on J- a James Corden show <laughs> that makes they so were much like, more sense because it's Julie Chin it? <laughs> no I know that's what I realized <laughs> um I I saw that and then I was like yeah why did I never question that I guess like in my head I might have just thought like it's a celebrity version, no I mean but still, I think that's like, fair how could, like but how could he talk to her like that <laughs> um but yeah it was like a segment on James Corden's show called hell's cafeteria and yeah it was julie chen and all the comments on the youtube video were people saying that they thought it was real
1: honestly like i do think I thought it was real until you said that. Like, it just makes sense because it's Julie Chen that it's not real. <laughs> but, like,
0: I don't think there's any
1: general public awareness that it's... Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we've been... <laughs> if you're not, not aware,
0: by the way, Julie Chen is the host of CBS Big Brother. So,
1: that's why it's a little There's bit... just connections everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, did you have anything... So, after Boiling Point, when did Kitchen Nightmares start?
0: Yeah, so in 2004, he appeared in Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. The same year, he created Hell's Kitchen, and then... It's kind of odd. I find it kind of odd, but he basically did, like, one, one season of the UK versions, and then he, like, started the US versions. Yeah, so then following his um, US versions of Hell's Kitchen and Kitchen Nightmares, he comes out with The F Word UK, Um, then he's featured in Gordon Ramsay Cooking Live, Gordon Ramsay Cooking Live US, Gordon's Great Escape, which is a UK show, And then that brings us to MasterChef US, which is, again, on Fox. But I think what's notable about these shows is around the F word UK, I mean, kind of through Kitchen Nightmare and Hell's Kitchen, because he kind of does take on more of a mentoring role in those, he is kind of, like, fostering his image to be more likable. And then I think by the time you get to Masterclass, is that what it's called? MasterChef by the time you get to <laughs> <laughs> by master the time, class this is an ad for master class just <laughs> by the time you get to master chef um i would say he's almost shedded that like super super mean i mean like people i'm sure still like associated with him but i don't know i feel like he started off as a real like simon cowell character but somehow he was able to like become such a like Family man. I feel like that's an excuse people give him a lot too. Is that he's like a family man?
1: Yeah, I do think that's. I literally read an article earlier today. Um, I was trying to find like opinions of people that had been on his shows about him, and so what was it? Like literally an article in Mash, just like I don't know, a food tabloid. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was like one of the winners of Hell's Kitchen, and. It was, like, quotes from her and talking about him. But then, like, later on in the article, like, there's, like, Gordon Ramsay is an absolute puddle around his kids. And it's, like, they're really just trying to push this, like, family man. Which is, like, not, like, I mean, I I do assume he loves his kids. I'm not saying he doesn't. But (laughs) it was just certain narratives do get pushed, I think. And I think that was out of necessity. I think he got a lot of negative feedback
0: hello this is lily and rachel from the future we just had so much content to discuss about gordon that we ended up having to split it into two different parts but in honor of this being the release of our podcast we decided to put them both out for you today so you're welcome talk to you later toodles